Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another Friday Mutual Aid episode of the Professional Brotherhood. Happy Friday. Hope you're having a great week so far. Um, Title of today's episode is, coincidentally enough, Mutual Aid. What better thing to talk about on a Mutual Aid episode than Mutual Aid? So, for those of us in the volunteer fire service, uh, mutual aid or automatic aid is probably extremely common. Um, there's lots of calls that we respond to that we probably do not handle on our own. Um, structure fires, some extended extrication motor vehicle accidents, um, specialized rescue calls, different types of technical rescue that maybe we're not trained in. All situations where we more than likely utilize mutual aid. Certain times of the day, uh, days of the week, um, when we have events going on that we know we're not going to be able to get out the door in the numbers that we need to get the job done and have the proper staffing. Maybe we have some mutual aid set up for those types of events. Um, lots of different things, right? We're going to utilize mutual aid for. You know, I think I, I was out teaching a little bit this week, and the topic comes up in in certain lectures, you know, regarding specialized rescue. And what does the fire department typically get called for? Well. Typically, the fire department can get called for anything under the sun, correct? Um, it can be from a, a, a residential structure fire to a water rescue or a trench collapse or a structural collapse. And in the volunteer and fire service world, more than likely, we are not trained for every specialty that can confront us. And one of the conversations that I had recently was, well, what do we do when we're not trained? We're still going to get called. You're right, you are, especially if it's in your jurisdiction, you are still going to get called. Um, But I like to compare um, specialized rescue and the use of mutual aid or automatic aid or special teams to that of uh, fire investigation. Here in New York, for me, as the volunteer fire chief, I am responsible for determining the cause of the fire, right? That is my responsibility as the fire chief. Does that mean that I myself physically am responsible for determining the cause of a fire? No, absolutely not. It means that I need to know who I can bring in to determine the cause of the fire for me, document that properly, submit the proper paperwork, and 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 do the reporting. And for me, those are my local fire investigators that are a part of a county team. Now, in your area, it might be different. It might be your area police department. It might be some other team, or maybe you have personnel within your own fire department that can do that job for you, right? Same with specialized rescue, water rescue, trench, what have you, okay? You may have an awareness level of training in that specialized rescue. Does that awareness level training mean that you can physically make the rescue or take care of the problem? 
No, what it means is you have an awareness level. You probably know enough to keep yourself safe or you know enough what not to do. So who do you need to count on to get that rescue done? Mutual aid from somewhere, a specialized team, your neighboring department, whatever it may be, right? And this is not unique to specialized rescue, right? Mutual aid for most of us, unless it's a, a you know a small room and contents fire where we get a you know quick knockdown on the fire and we've got you know plenty of manpower and plenty of water supply, right? We might not call mutual aid. Maybe we just call in for a standby at our station or something like that. For but for most of our incidents, we're going to utilize mutual aid. We might utilize it for our rapid intervention team, for our fast team, for water supply, for extra manpower, for extra equipment, just because we happen to be shorthanded that day, whatever the hell it may be, right? So first of all, as you know, firefighters and as leaders, we need to know where we can get the proper mutual aid from, right, uh, for the situation at hand. Now, when it comes to structure fires, it's probably all your surrounding agencies, and I'm not a big fan of skipping agencies, um, especially when you're skipping agencies just because maybe you don't like them or you have a beef with them or whatever the hell it may be. That's an easy way to get yourself in trouble as a fire service leader. All right? If they can't supply what you're looking for, totally different story. But if you skip over the neighboring department, which is five miles down the road, to go to the department that's 10 miles down the road, just because you and the current chief don't see eye to eye, that can get you in trouble. So I would not recommend doing that. And I know it happens out there in the fire service world. Um, but, you know, here we operate very well with, with all our other agencies and, uh, you know, run mutual aid together very frequently. Right? We were just at a fire yesterday morning mutual aid. Um, and we as departments know, you know, what we can bring to the table if we're going and they know what to expect when we show up um, if they're if they're requesting us. And that's important. Right. It's good to train together if you can train together. You know, so everybody it, it's nice that you it's nice to be able to work with people that, you know. Right. It's nice to work with people that you actually get to work with in a non-emergency situation. So training together is important, right? But mutual aid is the key for a lot of our success. And sometimes um, doing it quickly can really be the key. You know, if you know you're lacking in manpower or you know you're lacking in equipment for the job, right, not hesitating. I kind of live by the motto that I would rather have too much equipment coming and be able to cancel it if it's not needed than to be short equipment and short manpower and short water and realize it after the fact and lose the structure because of it. All right. That's just me. I know there's other people that don't feel the same way about that. Um, but know your area, know your agencies, know what they're capable of, know their manpower, right? Train with them if you can. Very, very important. Mutual aid is a huge part of what we do, okay? When it comes to specialized rescue, know who can provide what services. Maybe it's within your own county. Maybe you have to go outside of your county when it comes to something like hazardous materials response. 
Right? For me, if I want, um, if I need technician level hazardous materials response, I need to go outside of my own county to the neighboring county. Right? So knowing that if I'm getting dispatched to a hazardous materials call, do I have people that are at the technician level? Sure. But do we have lots of people at that level? No. Do we have the equipment? No. All right. So when I'm getting dispatched to that type of call, right, what am I doing? I'm, I either have an automatic aid set up where anything that comes in potentially hazmat automatically dispatches that neighboring county team. Or when I'm doing my size up as I'm responding um, after the alarm goes off, I'm calling in that uh, team to get them moving, right, to save time. Same with uh, trench and structural um, water rescue, whether it be swift water or underwater dive rescue or whatever it may be. Um, we recently have put some plans together with a, with, with a department that is on the complete opposite side of our county um, that has some swift water resources, right, because we have a, a, a pretty um, substantial swift water component. And we recently put together a automatic aid plan with um, a company on the complete other side of our county that also has some resources and is training to get more resources. Um, so we respond together. So anything that comes in, whether it's our district or mutual aid district, all right, they're automatically going to get dispatched with us. So we know that we automatically are going to have some additional manpower and resources coming to supplement our manpower resources and vice versa for them. Right? There might be a huge gap in between us as far as response lines, but it, it doesn't matter. Right. Because we need to get those resources moving when they're needed. All right. And the key there is, again, training together. So. There's a, you know, there's a lot that goes into us. I, you know, I know mutual aid is something that we all usually, we all may take for granted you know, because we so commonly use it, but there are ways to improve it, right? Um, rapid intervention and fast, right? If you know that on every structure fire, you want a rapid intervention and, or a fast team there, and your department is too small to supply that in-house, which in the volunteer world, most of us are, right? why, as a leader, do you want to have to have that thought and request that resource? Why not have that autom automatically dispatched with your 911 center when you have a structure fire? Now, the argument on the other side of the fence is going to be, well, every structure fire dispatch isn't actually a structure fire. And I know of agencies that have rapid intervention or fast teams that have had burnout because they were getting dispatched on every structural, every structure fire that went out uh, for their neighboring district. And of course, most of them are, are bullshit. They're not, they're not an actual fire. Um, and they ended up disbanding their team um, because of burnout and lack of interest and essentially the, the the bullshit runs you know killed the team understandably so because again uh we're dealing with volunteers um so what can you do to um alter that slightly well have it so it's automatically dispatched on a confirmed structure fire right so that means 
there has to be, you know, second party reporting or third party reporting to 911 or confirmation from a from an officer that's responding or a piece of apparatus that's responding that's confirming, you know, um, that that is an actual uh, structure fire or on the request of a second alarm or on the request of a resound. Right. So there's ways that we can adjust it so we're not burning people out, but we don't have to think about it. Right. So if if I'm responding and the 911 center comes back and says, chief, be advised, we've got multiple calls coming in on this structure fire um, or police are on the scene confirming a working structure fire. Right. As soon as that happens and, and we have confirmation and it's a working structure fire, that automatic dispatch for the rapid intervention or fasting goes out, right? Just things to think about to make our jobs a little easier, to make sure that those resources are coming in. I know lots of areas where they use box alarms or modest plans, all right, to automatically get aid on a second alarm, a third alarm, all right, so that things automatically come and the, and the, and the whoever the incident commander is doesn't have to think about it and individually call in agencies. All great, great stuff. But the bottom line is, we all need mutual aid. We all operate with mutual aid. It's a fact that we have to accept and most of us welcome the help. Um, so work together, train together, know where your resources are coming from, uh, know where you can find the resources that you need and utilize those resources quickly when you need to. All right. I hope that you find today's episode helpful. Uh, if you did not get a chance to listen to this week's full episode um, with Brandon and Dr. Kent regarding energy drinks and the fire service, I highly recommend that you go and do that because we had a lot of fun. It was a great episode. Uh, definitely eye-opening for me uh, when it comes to health and energy drinks and things consumed by firefighters. Um, go back and listen to Wednesday's episode. Uh, looking ahead to next week, there will probably not be a full-length episode on Wednesday next week. I am going to be busy for a couple of days doing some swift water training, and uh, more than likely, I will not have the time to record a full-length episode um, unless it happens over the weekend, and I don't plan on that happening. So uh, next week will probably be an off week for us. Um, as always, I completely appreciate your support and all your input on the podcast. Last week's YouTube or uh, Wednesday night's YouTube live was phenomenal. We had some great interaction. Uh, we had quite a few viewers on the live segment, which was great. Uh, thank everybody for tuning into that. And uh, again, please keep the comments coming. Uh, keep the suggestions coming. And uh, if you have any ideas for the podcast or maybe a potential guest or you think you'd be a good guest to have on the show, please shoot me an email, professionalvff, that's professionalvff at gmail.com. Again, find us on Instagram at professional.brotherhood, on the web, professionalbrotherhood.com, on Facebook at Chief Soller. And um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. T-shirts are back up and available in the merchandise store. I've got some new stickers coming out. Um, thank you for those of you that have supported those those projects in the past. And uh, again, thanks for your support. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your input. My friends, don't forget a paycheck does not make you a professional. How you approach the job does. Thank you very much for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And until next time.